conversation. We're week four um, of our new teaching series named The Apprentice. And uh, if you were with us last week or you listened to the teaching on the podcast during the week, uh, you will have remembered uh, the word Talmudine. I wonder if any of us can remember what it is or what it means. I wonder some blank faces, some really... They were the special ones. They were, they were like the SAS of, the, uh, of the, the best of the best, the young recruits uh, who through the education system in first century Israel would have grown up and would have been selected after a rigorous, rigorous interview towards studying underneath a rabbi, a rabbi being a teacher, being someone who would, uh, you would be with for a long period of time and you would do and be with the rabbi for years and you would sit underneath the rabbi and the rabbi would teach and would teach the ways of the Torah and would teach the whole of the Old Testament in a way and an understanding for the Talmudin that they would disciple themselves or apprentice themselves underneath a rabbi. And we were looking at this and we were uh, looking at the fact that Jesus was many things. He was son of God. Uh, he was a carpenter's son. He was many, many things, but he was known as a rabbi. He was a young, up-and-coming uh, rabbi, and he had chosen, he had selected 12 Talmudines, people that didn't really meet or match the, uh, the requirements, really, to sit underneath a rabbi, but nonetheless, uh, they were chosen by him, by God, that they would apprentice, and that we are unpacking this conversation for ourselves. What does it mean to apprentice underneath Jesus? And it simply is three things, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do the things that Jesus did, or does, should I say. And uh, some of this, again, uh, indebted to uh, a wonderful, wonderful teacher. His name is John Mark Comer, and leads a wonderful church in America. And uh, he's really unpack some of this stuff in a really meaningful and helpful way. I want you to turn, please, to John chapter 1. And uh, we're going to look at just a few verses together. We're starting th verse 35. The words hopefully will come up on the screen behind me there. Let's just pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. that you have called us to be your disciples. You've called us to apprentice, to an apprenticeship with you. We thank you that you invite us into friendship with you, living God. We pray that as we look at these words that John has written for us to read today, as we unpack these words, I, I pray that you, your life, would just impact our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. It's John the Baptist. 
When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning round, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher. Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we've found the Messiah. That is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You'll be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see even greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This passage of scripture that we read this morning, we again remind ourselves of this invitation. This invitation simply to come, follow me. Come and be with me. Nathaniel, sitting under a fig tree. We taught on this a number of weeks ago. And Nathaniel was, was underneath a fig tree. And this is, would have been one of the uh, Jewish customs for someone who was reading the scriptures underneath the tree in eager expectation and anticipation for Messiah to come. And Jesus noticed this custom that he was doing. It wasn't simply that he caught his eye. He did catch his eye, but it was the meaning attached to the behavior that he was one who was in eager expectation for Messiah to come. And Jesus saw it and he pointed it out and he said, you, come follow me. Come follow me. Jesus is inviting us to be with him. What does it look like for 21st century Carrick Fergus? How do we apprentice? How do we disciple? How do we become the Talmudine of Jesus? Um, well, we discussed in uh, the Friday church the last two Fridays about the Holy Spirit, the role and the person of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we read these scriptures to ourselves. John 14 says, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, 
and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Skip forwards to verse 25, same chapter of John 14. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That last verse is probably enough for some of us this morning. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. These are Jesus' words and he's given a real brilliant snapshot into the Trinity. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. I said this the other day, it gives us a real good snapshot into the three. And you have to be really careful when you do that. Good, I'm glad you sort of got the funny side of that and you're not offended. And if you're offended, then I'm sorry. Um, But there's the three, isn't there? There's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus here in this passage, he's basically telling us and he's telling his disciples right there and then. The Father, I will go to be with the Father and the Holy Spirit, the Father will send in my name. This is Jesus the Son who's saying, and the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, will teach you, us, and remind you, us, of everything that he said. An apprenticeship to Jesus in 21st century Carrick Fergus means this. We need the person of the Holy Spirit living in us. We need the Holy Spirit whispering to us, leading us, speaking to us, leading, guiding, shaping our thinking every single day. And the Holy Spirit is the advocate. The word advocate, best translated from the Greek, simply means this, another like me. Jesus is saying, I'm going to be with the Father and I'm going to send you the advocate. I think it's mentioned four or five times in John. The advocate, one like me. Jesus is saying, we all, if we are a follower of Jesus, have the Holy Spirit inside us. And the Holy Spirit reveals to us Jesus. The Holy Spirit inside us reveals the Father to us. The Holy Spirit speaks on behalf of another. Some of you will recognize and have seen that uh, Chantelle and I, we were blessed, so, so blessed to be able to update our car recently. Some of you will know that we were driving an old banged out clapper which did us really, really well for a number of years. But it was time. It was time to replace uh, the car. And I don't know about you, some of you are really into cars. We're just not. And, uh, and you can see by the way that we treated the old one. But the, uh, when it comes to buying a car, it's a little bit daunting. Especially when you're buying a second hour. You don't want to buy a I'm going to use a rude word, uh, a not very good one, right? You don't want to get stuck with something and you don't really know, you know, as far as we're concerned, it, if it's got four wheels and it looks kind of in the right shape, it's good to go. But we all know that uh, there's much more to it. And so when it came to the whole thing of getting a car, 
I was looking around and I was, I was chatting to Terry. Terry, who's not here. Terry's married to Kathy. Terry's away this weekend. He's golfing, yes, he's golfing. Let's just pray now for Terry, can we? <sighs> Please, he'll be listening to the po- he will be listening to the podcast after this. Please don't Talmudine underneath Terry and follow his ways. Just joking, just joking. It's okay to have a golf weekend once a year. (laughs) But Terry was previously a career spent in car sales. I thought, I need some help. I ring Terry. Terry comes with me to the garage. And I tell you what, he was the advocate. And I told him at the end of the way that he had this young fella for breakfast, to be fair. <laughs> he negotiated hard, and he got us a really good deal. This is a long story short, and he was unbelievable. The things that he said, the way that he said it, the negotiation was a true pro. And as we walked out with the keys in hand, I said, Terry, you do realize the next time I'm teaching on the Holy Spirit, you're going to be the story. This is going to be the example. It's the advocate, one who speaks on behalf of another. I literally sat there and I signed the papers when I needed to sign them. He did all the talking. He did all the talking. He revealed, spoke on my behalf. And boy, it was great to have him on my side. The Holy Spirit reveals to us, speaks to us, what the Father and what the Son is saying speaks on behalf that we might enter into life with him. Fast forward, John 15, a well-known passage. We'll probably get there over the next number of weeks, but Jesus uses this brilliant metaphor about the vine, the vine and the branches, and that we, as his disciples, as his Talmudin, need to be grafted in and remain in the vine. The word abide or the, or the word remain comes from the Greek word meno, which means to be within, to remain, to stay at home. And Jesus uses it 10 times in this passage of John 15. 10 times. Jesus is making a point, right? He is driving the message home. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, through the person of the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. And Jesus is urging his Talmudin, he's saying to us today, if we want to live this life that Jesus has called us, the life in all its fullness, the, the life of peace, the life of kingdom impact, the life that Jesus is promising us, we need to remain meno in the vine, which is him, through the person of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Well, it means taking a shower in the morning with bleary eyes and contemplating the Father's presence is with us in that moment. It means taking the train to work in the morning and being aware of the presence of God. Sitting down at break time and you're having a conversation with a colleague over a cup of coffee and it's simply more than just a cup of coffee you're beginning to be aware of what Holy Spirit is doing and saying in that moment. As you're changing the nappy of wee Percy, 
who sat at the back and you're looking at the contents and going, praise the Lord. It's being aware of praise the Lord. Wow, look at what he's done in the presence of the Lord. As you go to work and you're answering your emails and you're making decisions in the Father's presence, peeling the potatoes, making the tea, helping the kids with their homework in the Father's presence, heading out to the gym, to the swimming pool, you're walking the dog, whatever it is, the mundane, the everyday things that we all do day in, day out, but being aware of his presence. You see, so many of us have confined his presence to this time right here, right now. Or if you go to a life group. And for those of us who have any kind of discipline during the daytime, every day time, in that quiet time, that that's the time that we do business with God. And really what we're trying to unfold and unpack and the kind of life that we're wanting is that we're continually in the presence and aware of the presence of God, even in the Monday, even in the things that we have to get done, that we know that we're not alone, we're in the presence. Jesus said, he used the words, abide in me, remain in the vine. Paul called it prayer without ceasing. The Catholic friends of ours call it contemplation or advanced prayer. There's a fellow, 15th century monk, Brother Lawrence, called it this, practicing the presence of God. Brother Lawrence um, was a 15th century monk. and He uh, came from kind of a, a military background, whatever that looked like in those days. And uh, he gave his life and relationship with Jesus. And uh, he was in a monastery in Paris. And his job and his role was peeling the potatoes, washing the dishes, making dinner for the, his monk friends. And he made it his life's ambition to practice the presence of God. So you can imagine washing the pots and the pans. He's got all his hungry monk friends coming for lunch. And in that moment, as he's just washing, he's contemplating. The washing is part of his worship. He's doing it not for the 30, although he's doing it for the 30. He's doing it for the audience of one. Don't we long for that? Don't our souls long for something that's deep, that's real? As we were praying this morning, just in our five-minute prayer meeting, which you're all invited to, every week, 10 o'clock, we meet out there, you're all invited to for five minutes of prayer. As we're praying, I'm just thinking, God, we just need you. <laughs> we just we just need you to turn your face towards us. That, that, that's enough. That's enough. And I know as I look at your faces, that's what you long for. Life is challenging. And we need him every moment of every day and there's too many of us myself included we're running on our own steam we're running on our own merit 
we're running on our own gifting. We're running, we're running, we're running. And sometimes we just fall flat. And sometimes we get taken out completely, actually. I'll be honest with you, this is not in the notes, I've gone off piste here, but I think it's the Lord. There's too many folks that have come to our church and have journeyed life in his presence, in the presence of one another, and they've jumped ship. In fact, they haven't jumped ship. That would mean they've gone somewhere else. They, they've, they've gotten off the bus completely. And it's not that they've left our church. It's that they've, 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 they've not remained in the vine. They've, they've pulled back from the vine. Does that make sense? And, and we kind of know that. And that, please, if you're hearing that and you're thinking, I'm thinking of someone, I'm not. You, some of you will probably be thinking of someones and, and what have you. Heart aches and a heart breaks for that. It's important for us as individuals and as a body that we remain in the vine, staying connected, practicing his presence. It's a challenge for us. Uh, I was writing this, writing my notes on Thursday, and Thursday mid-morning I became really uh, grouchy and stressed and I've noticed actually in my week, for the last number of weeks, I don't know why, but Thursdays for me are a low day. Uh, I, I, I don't know why, um, but Thursdays I've been quite low, just in mood and in lots of ways. And uh, this Thursday uh, at work, Chantel, I'm sure Gillian and uh, Jules would probably testify, they, they could see that I was beginning to spill out my emotions and my feelings and I was just like, ah, it's enough. Don't give me anything else to do. And, um, and I, was, I was trying to write this and there was other things coming and, and I had to go around to the bank and I went around to the bank and I was in a real foul mood. And I, it, in those moments of just simply walking, I just really, do you know, I was... I didn't feel like this earth-shattering Holy Spirit moment, but I was aware of his, his love, and I was aware of him, and I was aware that despite all of this, he was present. And God's so kind that I met, uh, I was in the queue in the bank, and this lady had seen me who works in the bank. She said, oh, would you like to come over to this desk? I got to the front of the queue, praise the Lord. I wasn't going to let anyone else go in front of me. Forget that. First shall be first and last and all that business. I'm going first, thanks, today. And um, she was so kind. She was so nice. It wouldn't surprise me if she's a Christian, but she might not be. I just thought, God, that's your favor. That's your, that's your kindness. She was so kind to me. And I thought, God, you, you through this woman, are ministering to my soul at that moment. And I came back from the bank and I said to the guys, I'm going home. I'm going to write my talk at home. <laughs> and that's what I did. Being with Jesus, it's a practice. It's a lifetime of practice, but it takes intentionality, 
a commitment and a reorganization of our lives. It requires us to build in habits of prayer, of reading the scriptures, of fasting, silence and solitude, listening to worship music, practicing Sabbath rest. It requires us to journey life together in community with other believers. And some of these practices are obsolete in our lives. And uh, as I say those things, we all start feeling rubbish and guilty and all the rest. But the reality is this, in our crazy, crazy, fast-paced digital world that we live in, where we have meetings upon meetings and commitments and babies crying and bills to be paid and da-di-da-di-da, it is possible to practice his presence and live in that reality. If we want to live like Jesus, we need to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Um, I need to skip forwards just a few here. If we want a certain life, we have to adopt that kind of lifestyle. What we're talking about doesn't just simply come. It does require us to move. It does require us to make changes in our lives. I'll give you an example. There's two folks in our church right now who I know are wanting a different life. They're wanting a life that is a lot less heavy. They're trying to lose weight. Two folks in our church right now who their life, they're wanting their life to change. And in order for their life to be less heavy, they need to change their lifestyle. Now, one of them is just getting on a, just by themselves, and you can see the effect it's having on this lady. She's looking great, and she's just really making some intentional decisions to her lifestyle in order to get the life that she wants. Now, the other person who's also seeking to gain this life of, of less weight most of us will know about because not only not only do we see the effects that it's having but he talks about it all the time I mean a day doesn't go past when Serge is not telling us about his keto diet I mean it's getting beyond the point of boring no don't ah. Serge. <laughs> In fact, we're all looking forward to January when Serge is going to lead the, uh, the, the, the weight loss life group called The Biggest Loser. And uh, in order to have that kind of life requires intentional changes to lifestyle in order for it to happen. doesn't just happen. Let us look at one of the verses that we read earlier. John 14. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Jesus is promising to his disciples this kind of life. Probably never has there been a day in humanity but I could be completely wrong when we've needed these verses probably possibly 
in our common culture and society that we live in today, it is stressed out. Anxiety for many of us is through the roof. And Jesus' words here to his Talmudin and Jesus' words to us today are peace. I leave with you. My peace I give you. How do we get that? How do we experience that peace? It's actually quite simple. It's to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. It's to do the things that he did. When we read the Gospels, we read about a Jesus that was never in a rush. He was unhurried. He lived an unhurried life. He spent a lot of time in community with people. One of the things that I have loved, despite the circumstances of the last number of weeks since our dear friend Steve passed, what I have loved dearly and deeply has been community ever since it. The time when we have spent with many of you we've spent with Elaine and the kids has just been incredible. I've just loved hanging out. And without actually having to make an appointment, oh, yeah, what, what, you know, when can we get together? Oh, we, we'll do that in six Fridays' time. It was like, no, we, 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 just, that, this, we just dropped everything. All that other stuff just doesn't matter. Let's just be together. Jesus modeled being in community. Jesus modeled a lot of time with people, but he also modeled time on his own with the Father. Getting up early sometimes, he just modeled being in the presence of his Father. He seemed to sleep a lot. There were times when the disciples had to wake him up. He modeled what it was to rest. He modeled Sabbath, was in the synagogue during Sabbath. He lived simply with what he had, where he went. He wasn't caught up, as many of us are, caught up in Black Friday deals and materialism and getting this and getting the new phone and whatever it might be. Jesus was at peace because of the lifestyle that he lived. What time is it? Half eleven. We're okay. Peace isn't just something that comes to us. It's something that comes as we cultivate a lifestyle of being in his presence. Is it possible in our modern day world to be a follower of Jesus and own a smartphone? Is that possible? Here's just some things as phones are dropped on the floor. 
<laughs> this is uh, during a study taken in America a couple of years ago. The average user taken from a, a study of 100,000 people was this. The daily use of a smartphone was that the phone was touched 2,617 times during 76 sessions or goes on the phone over a period of 145 minutes. And that was the average. That was the middle of the we graph, if you remember doing those graphs, the bell graph thing, the middle. The top was double those. 2,617 times, 76 sessions, 145 minutes. And some of us complain we don't have enough time to have a quiet time. Here's some really good advice, and I hope it doesn't come down patronizing. We could call it wisdom. Put it down. Surrender it. Our Sam's just come back from three days, Duke of Ed in the mornings. God love him. And he's up at Rockets this morning. And here's another thing. I can talk about him because he's not here. He emptied half of the dishwasher this morning without even being asked. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Flip and heck. It's Talmudine right there. The apprenticeship's working. It's working. I know, Owen, you're here and you're listening. The other half is waiting for you, son. <laughs> oh, you did it? Oh. Put it down. Put it down. Really simply, being with Jesus, practicing his presence. Here's a couple of things, a couple of homeworky things. And I know we probably did this about this time last year, but oh well, here they are again. For the next seven days, you've got two options, or you can do both. Is how about you spend five to ten minutes per day just sitting on your own in his presence. You don't pray. You just are still. Intentionally still. Your mind will race. Your mind will go here, there, and everywhere. You might get to 60 seconds without having some other crazy thought come in. But practice it. Have a go. Five minutes. Ten, if you're really good. Or the other little bit of homework. Try and see. Go to YouTube on your smartphones. <laughs> Spotify. Apple Music. Check me out. I know all the names. I have no idea where to get Spotify, by the way, or any of those things. We, we have got Spotify. Oh, we have Apple Music. Okay. And just type in worship or the name of someone that you like. And just listen to a song, two songs, whatever it might be. But instead of just listening to them, is actually really listen to them. And if you're on your own, you might even want to sing along, but only if you're on your own. Just beginning to practice his presence, practice his presence. We're done. Sergi, come on, show us what you got. 
I mean, lead us in worship. <laughs> Keeps him humble. Let's stand.